0: I'm your host and coach, Brittany King, and I have a special guest with me today. Welcome to the show, Heather Ivany. Heather is a renowned spiritual mentor with over 20 years of experience leading innovative courses, private trainings, and immersive retreats and more. I want to know what and more is. Welcome to the show, Heather. Thanks for having me, Brittany. It's an honor to be here with you today. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this chat together. Me too. So why don't we start by giving a little background in who you are and what you're up to in the world? Sure. So uh,
1: I guess the, the name that I use the most common is spiritual mentor. So I support people who are looking to align with their purpose more fully. And Um, use it as an activator out in the world. So I oftentimes will work with teachers and leaders um, who are already on the trajectory and just allowing them to move into their light more fully. But then I also work with individuals that are kind of stuck, people that are just not quite sure where they should be placing their attention, um, how to work with the distractions that come in in their everyday. And so I help to bring them into their midline a bit more fully so that they can listen to the inner cues and, uh, dialogues and directions that, that come to them and they can, they can track with them a little
0: bit more easily. Mm. Okay. So you mentioned bringing them into the midline. What does that mean? So I find, um, a lot
1: of times what people, when, if I'm doing like an Akashic session, which is Um, doing a reading of someone's soul the the akasha is is uh, another word for space or spirit and the akashic records would be your individual timeline of your soul past present and future so if i'm doing a reading and giving someone information on their soul's timeline and they get direction to perhaps um let's say for example someone's meant to be working with their ability to um, use their, their light as agency to bring other people into their light, but they're constantly getting distracted by the shadow, the periphery, then mm-hmm. I give them tools to help to bring them into the midline. So for some people, it can just be like, what's your anchor? What is it that you're devoted to? What is it that gives you purpose in this lifetime? And we together create an anchor that is bigger than the resistance that might come in and try and thwart them from what it is that they're trying to do. Mm. For others, it's working a little bit more with boundary work, right? Whether like a lot of people focus a lot on boundary work with each other, but oftentimes they forget that you can have boundaries with the energetic field as well. So allowing them to have a voice in how to set boundaries with what comes to them energetically so that they can pick and choose what they wanna work with and what they don't wanna be working with. So sometimes it's boundary work, sometimes it's setting an anchor, sometimes moving to the midline can be something as simple as um, becoming more comfortable with quiet and and tools to help support that, whether it's through an audio guide of like a yoga nidra or um, spending time in nature or even meditation. So different ways to personalize the quiet so that it resonates with the individual and they're not taking too big of a leap that they'll just sort of thwart
0: in a few weeks time if it's too big Mm, that makes that makes a lot of sense because I think it's really easy to kind of fall into that trap of trying to do too big of a thing to help them find stillness and then just feeling unsafe almost because it seems like too much and then not doing those practices. So how do you, like, how does that work? How does reading someone's soul, how, how break down a session?
1: So a session would be, um, first I do a little grounding and centering for us both just to help to bring us into the more subtle body within ourselves. Cause the field mm-hmm. is subtle. So for mm-hmm. hard edging, it's hard to get into the field. So we'll spend a little bit of time just tuning in five minutes or so. And then I do let them know, like, if you can't relax, don't worry, I'll still be able to access your records. Mm-hmm. Then I have a mantra that I use to just banish anything that's not serving them in the moment so that I'm, I'm working with less noise. And then I'll open their records. And when I open anyone's records, they have sort of like a signature feeling to it. Um, um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a feeling tone, sometimes I'll get a visual, sometimes I'll get like, um, like certain frequencies that'll come in, and I just describe it to the individual. So Um, and, and I can describe it based on the contrast of being in multiple people's records over the years that it's like, okay, so Brittany's records feels like this. And when I'm in Simone's records, it feels like this. So I use the contrast to help to explain and share what their field feels like. Mm -hmm. And that alone for a lot of people is, is a lot of validation and confirmation that how they show up in life is how they're meant to be showing up in life. And it Mm kind of stops the internal battle of trying to mold themselves or fix themselves into a way that they think that they should be showing up based on what parents, society, friends, lovers will tell them. Mm -hmm. So so that's kind of like just softens the whole ambiance. And then we Mm -hmm. go from there. So sometimes the records themselves will just keep um, sharing information with me that I just keep sort of rattling off for the first 10 or 15 minutes. And then when it goes kind of quiet, that's usually my indicator to then reflect it back to the individual and say, okay, so it's quiet. Did you have certain questions that you wanted to ask in the session? Do you want to go there now? So I can totally go 180. Like, let's say we're talking about, um, we could be talking about like just their, their whole makeup uh, from like a cellular soul level. And then all of a sudden they come in and they're like, okay, so I got a question about my business and I just want to know Mm. something about my business. And we can totally just go 180 and make that change, of course, and then go into the topic of their business and get information about um, where they're where they're conflicting with their business, because every business sort of has its own frequency. So, for example, Mm. if you as an individual have a very high drive that you like to work with but you've called in a frequency of a business that likes sort of a, st- a slow and steady pace, then there can be a constant like conflict between you and your business or like a push, pull, stop, start energy. So then we can just go in and clear some things out and, and see how it can attune more, more easily, see where there can be compromise between the two so that the, the business and the individual starts to harmonize a little bit more. Mm,
0: wow. So how 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 did you get into this like was this something that you kind of intuitively fell into or was it something that you had experienced yourself so it was not on my radar at all
1: um, all i knew was that i was i'd been teaching yoga for about 20 years and i'd gotten to a point where i was really craving more depth than what an hour-long yoga class can offer mm-hmm. and i got that depth a teacher training but I think what I was finding with teacher trainings was that it's so tailored towards teachers. And a lot of the the topics that I like to go into in a yoga teacher training are are relatable to anyone at any time in in life. And then there's also a constraint there with the teacher training because there's there's a curriculum that you have to follow when you're doing um, when you're doing a training to make sure that someone can actually teach yoga when they're done, right? Mm-hmm. So I was, I was kind of craving a little bit more intimacy, a little bit more depth. Um, And then I had an experience over COVID where I just, because of the studios were all shutting down, I just had opportunity to get really quiet. There was an individual, excuse me, that kept coming into my meditation practice. Just, I just kept thinking of her name. So I reached out to her and just sent an email. I knew who she was. And so I sent an email and just said, look, your name keeps coming up when I'm meditating and I'm, I'm getting the sense that you have a better idea of where to take it from here than I do. So I'm just putting it out there. And so she just responded back and she was like, well, I work with the Akashic Records. Uh, That's actually how I advertise. I just allow my guides to go and find the people that would resonate with me. And I have the guides talk to each other and then send messages to you to connect with me. So that alone just kind of blew my mind with, yeah, how we can like use the field more to our advantage, right? And so I did an Akashic reading with her and what came through, and I think this is true for everyone is that we will work with the records unconsciously. And the invitation to me was like, you've been working with it unconsciously through how you teach and how you relate to people. But what if we brought this more to a conscious level so that you can like have it on hand to work with? So I, Really rolled with it quite easily. Um, there's three parts to the training. First part is learning how to read your own records. Then you learn how to read other people's, and then you just kind of open up the aperture and you go into plants or animals or other planets or businesses or buildings or land clearings. Like the sky's kind of the limit. Mm-hmm. And then once those three um, parts were were complete, then I, without even putting it out there, I had people coming to me and saying, "I would like to learn how to do this. Could you teach me?" So. I almost instantly went into teacher trainings right after um, completing the the
0: three parts myself. Wow, that is mind blowing. It's I okay. love, uh, yeah, I love, I love how she was like. That's how I do my marketing. I've never heard. I mean, and it makes sense because I people come into my world, and I'm like, there's no coincidences. Like, you know, either you know they heard my name or synchronicities, or they saw something. And I do believe that there is that like energetic that brings people together. Um, But to hear it in that way, it's just kind of mind blowing. And yeah, I mean, you can even take it.
1: uh, So what I did is I kind of rolled with it from there. I was like, okay, if this is how she uses it, how else can I use it? So even in my own business, I will create like an avatar of the type of individual that I want to be working with. And I pitch that out to my business and then my business will pitch a little bit back to me so that oftentimes by the time people are getting to the point where they're reaching out and sending an email or booking a session with me, there's already been so much behind the scenes that has happened prior to that engagement. Like a lot of people will say like, oh, I I don't normally listen to this podcast, but I happened to put it on and you were the guest that day. And here I am reaching out or um, I hadn't seen a friend in six months and I met her for coffee and she mentioned you like it's it's very like six degrees of separation kind of thing ways that people will come in. But it always feels natural to me when they share it, because I'm like, I, I'm just putting it's not like just putting the information out there. I'm very specific mm-hmm. when I'm relating So that, um, there's very little filtration I have to do on my end by the time I'm having a conversation with someone and talking about different offerings that I have. Wow.
0: That is, that is so, it's just mind blowing, but it also, it makes sense. Like it's, you know, that conscious intentional type of work and how it just comes back in the same way that you create it from that conscious place. So I want to talk about expanding consciousness because you do this with the records, correct? It's like you use the records to bring the unconscious to conscious. Yeah. So how, how do you do that? Like what, what are some things that you do or some examples of how that works? So
1: there's, there's a few ways that, that it plays out and and I'll, I'll get like, I'll get transparent here. So so even before, let's just work with like the Akashic training, for example. So prior to that training, even someone even registering for it, what I find is so common is I do bring in probably, I would say 90% of the people I work with are women. And I would say a lot of women have such a hard time prioritizing themselves, number one, to sort of make time for themselves to do a training like that. And then secondly, to go to a spouse or a partner and share with them an offering that they're interested in because it just speaks to them on a soul level. But in the moment, they can't explain how they will get the ROI back on their investment to their partner. And that's a very masculine, feminine energy that I think comes up a lot in relationships.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it's, it's you know, um, I'm not saying everyone's like this, but, but oftentimes it's like, well, if, if it costs X amount of money, how is this going to be a benefit to us as a family if you're taking this training? And in the moment, it's very hard for women to be able to explain or I'll use the word justify that. So there's a real like the conversation that I oftentimes have is, you know, when you're moving into that conversation with your partner, think of it more as you're asking for their support rather than their permission mm. and seeing if they can support you on a level of trusting that you attending to your soul is going to have a ripple effect that can't even be comprehended or tangible in the months to come. Mm. So these are like little things that, that I just, it's conversations that I have often so that by the time we start the training, like in my first opening session, I just acknowledge the miraculousness of the fact that these women are able to get into the room. Because mm-hmm. our our frequency that we have in society is just so set at a level that it's hard because there's so many people operating at that frequency, it's hard to generate your own momentum to bump above it mm-hmm. and, and do something different. So anytime someone does that, I just want to like have like a cheerleading squad for it because it is incredibly miraculous just to get into the room. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that. It's it's not. I mean, I recognize it's it's not a, a high high ticket training, but it's it's not super cheap because I don't want people there that are there just for entertainment or just mm-hmm. curious but not serious. So there's there's a price point there that that for a lot of people they have to really dig into their own worthiness to be able to spend that amount of money on themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's
1: just that's just like the pre-ticket, right? To mm-hmm. get in, like the, the ways that we work with with um, the different clients and students before even coming into the training. And then once we're there and we're working with the records, a lot of the work is me holding the confidence for them to be able to read the records until the grip can be loosened and they can hold the confidence for themselves. Mm. So there's, there's, there's sort of an agreement when we come into the training that I appreciate that your egoic resistant self is going to be here. It's here to protect you. And it's, it's going to come up a lot, but I'm going to ask that to the best of your ability, you ask it to just sit in the corner and you invite your queenly, sovereign, beautiful, higher wisest self to come forward. And she's the one that I want to be relating to. She's the one that I want to be asking, you know, answering questions to, and, and engaging with, because in that essence, there's just this underlying knowing that I wouldn't be here if I wasn't meant to read the records. So they're, mm-hmm. they're almost guiding themselves into the, mm-hmm. the busting through belief systems, the working with their fears, the uh, the ability to sort of sit with the doubt and rise above it, rather than me constantly arguing with their egoic self. that honestly, I'm never going to win that argument because it's been with them for so long and it knows them so well that everything that I say to it will have a counter-argument to it. Mm. Wow. It's Powerful. It's good. It's fun. And then what happens is, is when this sort of like precedent is set, then, then we just, I don't, I, I do very little and and the,
0: the tribe just rises together and we do some yeah. really
1: fun things when we, when we hang out.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I can only imagine. Yeah. So when, so if you're, you know you you read people's records right you like tap into their soul is there a process that you have to take in order to connect with their soul or if you meet anyone you kind of already feel connected like you can connect with their soul or is there some sort of like step that you take in order to make that connection well, it's
1: consensual. So the, the frequencies that are connected to the records that think of it like a guardianship. So it like right now, as we're talking, I can't just go into your records without you giving consent. Mm. So yeah, I can get a feel for someone. Absolutely. If I walk into a store, if I'm engaging someone, you know, at the school parking lot or something, like I can definitely get a feel for someone but I'm not in their records getting information on their soul without Mm. consent, without permission. And that's really strict. And there are a couple of instances. I mean, I, I, over the years, I've maybe had a half a dozen to a dozen times when I try to go into someone's records who has given me permission and their records is compromised in some way, shape or form. So we have to do a lot of work before we start the session just to break off, um, I think of it almost like a hardened crust around their soul that's mm. blocking them from being able to have access to themselves. And mm. so it's just, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's, um, it's brilliant once it's kind of dissolved and, and they can kind of fracture through it. And then it's like, okay, now, now here, now we're sitting in the company of your soul. So let's see where it wants to go and, and how it wants to speak to us today.
0: Oh, that's, that's a, that's incredible. So yeah, I figured there'd be like some sort of form of consent. Cause I could imagine if you're interacting with like friends or family, they're like, are you, are you reading into my soul right now? Yeah. But obviously like there is that, that level of consent and asking for permission.
1: Well, and what's fun is like, like someone like yourself, like, like there's a lot of people that are highly intuitive, myself included. So you get a lot of information without even being in someone's records and so there was a part of me when I first started doing the training where I was like, well, I don't, I'm not like, I was kind of arrogant, I guess, in a bit where I was like, I don't quite understand how this is going to be different than what I'm already naturally mm-hmm. doing. And so that's sort of the unconscious way of kind of working with the records. Mm. But then when I intentionally go into someone's frequency, like it's like a, think of it like a radio, an old school radio frequency that you got to dial in to get like the static mm-hmm. to go away and then you can hear the, the talk show. Once I'm in their records, what's super fun for me is the information that comes through that the Heather in me had no idea was coming. Mm. And so that's the confirmation that I'm working with something that is
0: just different than my own essence in this Mm. moment.
1: Does
0: that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So like sometimes surprises you what what you tune into because it's kind of like what you think, what you kind of get a feel for someone and then you get into their records and you're like surprised by what you uncover yeah
1: and even yeah. like what I how I sort of understand the field to be like and then I'll get I'll get like surprised even in that way i I say it often like I didn't even know the records could work this way but here we go let me mm. let me share this with you and and see what happens but yeah so so I'm constantly getting informed as to my own belief systems that need a little bit of adjusting on how I assume things kind of work Mm. in other dimensions and how they actually work.
0: Yeah, it's so fascinating, because it is, it, it seems like it's something that's like constantly kind of challenging, challenging you in a way to look at it in a broader scope, right? It's like you learn it in one way. And then when you're in it, it sounds like that it kind of changes and it transforms and you have yourself like questioning, you know, what you, what you already know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like an example that would be very early on, I sort of separated, um, like when I would think of spirit guides or teachers or ascended masters or archangels, whatever, whatever word you want to put in there, I used to really think of it as something separate from the individual soul. And then very early on in the records, I was working with someone and, and we were working with a particular guide and they were just really interested in the details. And so they were like, I, I want more information. Like who is this guide? What are they? And as I'm going through, what's being revealed is it's it's literally a version of themselves that hasn't incarnated, that is staying in, an, in, in a frequency form so that it can counsel and give information and wisdom from a more all-knowing place than the human incarnation that they're in so that was radical for me to just it totally reframed how I look at this um I'm like I was unknowingly putting them on a pedestal and and then in that moment it just leveled everything out I'm like it's actually me it's actually you
0: Wow! in a
1: version of you that that just isn't incarnated it's like think of your soul like the center of the sun and then all the rays that come off the sun so one of those rays is your incarnated form but one of those rays is your non-incarnated form one of those Mm. rays is like a past lifetime another ray is a future lifetime and so they're all just extensions of your soul um, playing out different stories different characters and so Mm. it's it's very freeing it's very liberating and and just uh just fascinating to relate with to yourself in a new way right
0: yeah wow because that kind of that to me sounds like the like higher self like that kind of makes that connection of like your sometimes i view the higher self you know not outside of me but almost like it's on a little cloud just like that little voice that's like helping guide yeah it's like that's kind of how i imagine it totally
1: Absolutely. So then there's versions of that. That's part of your guidance system. And then another part of your guidance system could totally be the archetype of, say, Buddha or Jesus or some other ascended master, green tar, whichever one you want to work with. But they they come into your field because their embodiment of their essence is, is a tangible frequency that's available for you to work with in that moment
0: hmm so when you're working with someone then how like do they choose or like do they choose who their guides are or do their guides choose them
1: it's a, it's a bit of both so how I understand it and this is totally like I don't say anything that I that I have is concrete like do your own exploration um but how I understand it is your guides are with you for the entire duration of your soul's lifetime. And I don't even know if that actually ends. I'll I'll put that out there. But they will stay with you for for the entire time that your soul chooses Mm -hmm. to continue to be reborn in different forms. Now, teachers would be more... Um, they come in for the growing edge that you're working with. And once the growing edge is um, accomplished or available or known to you, then the teacher will float back out. So that might be a couple of days. It might be a couple lifetimes, depending on what it is that you're working with and, and, and how you're choosing to relate to it. Mm-hmm. And then Ascended Masters is more, um, there's more touchstones. They'll come in, they'll touch in and they'll touch out. And they can be working with you know so many different souls at one time because they just have that availability just from the dimensional space that they're resonating in, right?
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that then, because there are, you know, the different dimensions and the different frequencies are in each dimension. So when you are doing this work, how do you help someone, like take, you know, take what they're learning, you know, let's say they get their records, but then they go into their day-to-day life. How do you help them kind of tune into those frequencies? Great question. And
1: personally, I really work in the practical realm. So um, I'll, I totally admit, like, I am not a, a master at understanding all the different planetary forms that are out there. I don't even really understand the different dimensions. I mean, I'm not even sure where we're up to now 13 or four. I'm not even sure how high it's going. So a, lot, can, a
0: lot of dimensions. It's a lot.
1: It's a lot. And when you get caught up in it, I, it's just a reminder for me to be like, and I chose to be in this physical form. So it's until until I am come up against something where I need to research it a bit more, I just let it lie, to be honest. So in the practical daily living, ways that you can work with your records would be, let's say I'm going in, okay, let's say for example, I'm preparing for our interview today. I will open up the records of our interview, not your record specifically, but just the frequency of our interview. And I'll sit in those records and just allow myself to attune to it a little bit. I'll ask if there's anything I need to do to harmonize a bit more. I'll see if there's any um, kind of miss frequencies that that I can maybe clear before we start so that when you and I move into an engaged conversation, it's easeful, it's natural, it feels comfortable. So I'll use the records oftentimes in that way, just when I'm meeting new people and preparing for a meeting, I'll just open the records at the meeting and just calibrate with it a little bit beforehand. I'm just someone that really loves to go to go deep and get past the surface. So that the more that I can support that, um, I like to. Other ways that I'll work with it um, can be, what I'll, I'll do is I'll just open my records first thing in the morning. And it's not that I'm like literally in the records intensely all day long. But I'll, I'll tap in throughout the day when I just, I notice myself taking a rest. I'll be like, oh yeah, my records are open. Okay, just fill my cup. I have just had a half day of like giving to all the people. Just mm-hmm. take a moment and, and fill my cup. So I use the records predominantly. It's, it's usually um, surprising for people to know. I don't spend a lot of my time trying to figure out all the things in the records. Most of my time in the records is simply resonating in that frequency because it feels so good. And mm-hmm. then I'm just asking that all the all the energies that are working with me on this day, just fill my cup, fill my vessel, let me be of service in the way that I'm meant to be. And 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 I just have a deep faith that the rest will take care of itself. I don't need to know all the particulars. They're doing such a good job of it up in the ethers that it's not my job to to sort of have the next chess move planned mm-hmm. out ahead of time
0: so that I can kind of be on top of things, if that makes sense. Yeah that does make sense so there's just this element of trust and not necessarily surrender but not needing to know what the next step is
1: yeah and i think that like when you move into that space you're it's a present moment space so in the present moment there is no problem our mm-hmm. problems come from right thinking about the past or worrying about the future but in the present moment there is no problem And so when you're in the subtle realm, and the more that I spend time there, and I just get to feel into the space of no problem, what I'm noticing in over the years of doing this is that I'm not hunting for problems and things Mm. to fix in my waking state, because I'm not as addicted to it as I used to be.
0: Mm. Wow, that resonates so deeply with me, because I think I... When things are really good, and I you know that this is a sim- like a common thing when we hit upper limits, when everything is great and you've never been in this place before where everything is feeling really good, working all together, flowing. Um, I know that I tend to look for problems and my husband always calls me out. He's like, stop trying to find a problem. Like, it, it, the thing that comes to mind is when our daughter was a newborn and then into an infant, like something like she had a rash and he was like, that's normal. This is a perfectly healthy child. And I was just kind of waiting for that, like next shoe to drop. And I think that that's a very common thing that a lot, but you know, in particular women experience. So how do you use the records to help women overcome that?
1: Well, this is an awesome conversation that you're bringing forward and i'm right kind of in the thick of like just a couple steps ahead of of the the situation that you just described so what i've noticed with myself so there's a, there's a teacher that i've come back into resonance with this fall and the mentorship program that she was offering i called her up and i was like ah oh, like everyone seems to have a thing that they're focusing on in this mentorship i'm like I feel like I've spent a lot of time doing my 3d work of like my relationship stuff and my money challenges and all the things I'm like, I'm at a place where I'm nothing's revealing itself to me and I have zero desire to go hunt, but I know I'm meant to be in mentorship with you and I'm just trying to figure out the why and what we sort of teased around and danced with a bit and, and, and sort of what was revealed was, so same as you, like when I'm in that moment of let's say my kids are are playing at the lake, and I'm having this moment of like, damn, I've got the best life. Like the sun's shining, the water's cool, I'm not working today. My kids are healthy, they're playing. And I'm in that moment of just being hit with what I call the awe. Mm-hmm. What I oftentimes do is I interrupt the awe in one of two ways. So one way that I'll interrupt it is I'll be sitting there and I'll be like, "Oh my god, it's so perfect!" And then I'll be like, oh, "I hope no one drowns," mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, so you'll instantly go mm-hmm. to the thing that's like the the, and then and then all of a sudden, that's the story that I'm on, and I've just mm-hmm. interrupted the awe. The other way that I'll do it is, I'll I'll start to breathe in the awe of the moment, and and I'll start to get very emotionally overwhelmed, like almost the, that that tearful joy cry that we get Mm -hmm. and so I I start to let it in and then all of a sudden I'll go it's too much and I'll stop it so that I don't actually cry because I feel it's inappropriate with the situation that I'm in so I call it like I'm interrupting the awe Mm -hmm. and I think the piece that worked really well for me Brittany was what my teacher shared with me is she's like you know if you're hit with something like you're chatting with someone and it triggers a grief that you haven't quite processed, you can go back into your home at a later time and you can revisit that grief and you can let the tears out and you can have that experience if you want to. She's like, but the thing that's interesting with the awe is that it's so present moment, it's Mm. so spontaneous, you can't recreate it at a later time. So if you choose to dismiss it or disconnect from it in the moment, it's gone. It's just Mm. gone. So for me, it was like this aha moment of like, how dare I take this sacred experience that I'm having and dismiss it or push it down or distract in some way, because it is so, I'll use the word sacred. I will never get this moment back again. Mm. So what I'm playing with is like just allowing the awe to brim to where it wants to brim to and Mm -hmm. so when you talk at the very beginning when we're saying how do you go from the distraction to the midline the moment my outsider wants to come in and say oh it's not appropriate I say oh it's okay like I'm going to trust the people around me can handle it Mm -hmm. or when I go into the story of like the problem that I can create that could possibly happen the scenario I'll just redirect back to present moment so I'm playing with allowing myself to feel worthy enough Mm -hmm. to be in the company of that space of inspiration, grace, beauty, love, joy, whatever word you want to put in there and feel worthy to be sitting and having a cup of tea with it in that moment, Mm. rather than trying to reschedule for another time.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. That like that brings tears to my eyes, just the way that you described it and like sitting and having tea with it is just such a lovely visual because it is so true. Like you don't get those back because it's you know, with grief, yeah, you can go home and process it at like at another time, but those moments you don't get back. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's does what you said is like you nailed it, is that worthiness of like I am worthy to have this experience and to feel this joy and to allow myself to be in it and it's not easy and I think that that is one of the and I think it's a skill set kind of how you're describing it to be able to do that to be able to redirect so you can be in that present moment and enjoy it when it's there
1: well and it's it's our birthright, mm-hmm. like we choose to incarnate, not just to help humanity get better, whatever it's doing. We also choose to incarnate to experience joy. The, the, mm-hmm. the, the contrast of emotions isn't available in the dimensional realm. So part mm-hmm. of the reason why we're here is to have contrast and, and we get so, I don't wanna use the word addicted, but it sometimes it can feel like that, we get so addicted to making ourselves better that we forget to just let let it in just let the moment come in the way it wants to and then when when we do that in that moment like when when I'm so let's say I'm watching some kids on the playground and I'm just like blown this helps like we're just blown away at like how tenacious those little kids are to figure out the monkey bars Mm -hmm. or get up the slide. Like they're just so resilient. And sometimes I can just get really emotional with just how inspiring these little tiny people are. And then I'll catch myself because I'm at a playground. And in that moment, when I choose not to let the awe in, then I'm allowing the frequency of the playground to, I'm letting the energy move me in a sense. Mm -hmm. So I'm then I'll I'll use lower vibration, even though I don't like using that, but I will lower my vibration to an acceptable level, Mm -hmm. so that I can be in conversation with the other women around me. And like, probably not talking about things that are that awesome. Mm -hmm. Rather than letting the moment in feeling the awe and giving permission for the other people around me to join me, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to just be in the revel of the moment and you are welcome to join me. I mean, this is how the Dalai Lama works. I mean, he goes mm-hmm. into a room and the whole room raises to reach the vibration that he's operating from. Mm-hmm. He doesn't come in and, and settle himself down to like <laughs> go to the low vibration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's
0: mm-hmm. and that
1: piece takes, um, that's the piece that I'm playing with. Like, can I have the
0: confidence not to interrupt the awe? Yeah. Mm, That is so, I, I, this concept of interrupting the awe really, that resonates with me so much. Um, And I think, you know, it is harder for women because we have this fear of like shine bright, but not too bright. And we kind of have this fear of like letting that light out. And I know that that's something that I have been challenged by for most of my life. Like knowing that in my soul, like my soul's purpose is to be seen and is to share my message and help as many women as I can. But then falling back into a pattern of like wanting to hide, because I think that when I shine too bright, it makes other people uncomfortable. So it's kind of like this dance that I experience of like, kind of going there, but then like, quickly reverting back because I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable or, or have people think that I'm, you know, like, like, um, arrogant or cocky or whatever it is.
1: Absolutely. And I think that like an underlying way where this shows up with women who naturally have a big energy, right? Like yourself, like, like just have this, this beautiful, um, larger than life energy and this radiance that comes from them oftentimes they need a partner that can hold that kind of energy, right? So they will oftentimes um, merge with someone who's also bigger than life. And what's interesting in that male-female dynamic is that just because we're so conditioned to do this, so the women will shine the way that they want to shine in their business, with their women, in, in their outside relationships. But then when they come into the home, somehow his energy takes over and she plays small inside the house but she's Mm. not playing small outside of the house and there's just so many different layers to this and so many different nuances but um just even that bit like it's like I don't know how to shine because he shines so big that I Mm -hmm. have to I have to just be his support Mm. right it's just Mm -hmm. an interesting I totally agree with you. And, and just the fact that we're having this conversation just allows it to give permission to, to just either be seen or even be like kind of transformed or transmuted in some way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm
1: at a point like, sorry, I'll just say this one last piece. Uh, like I'm 45 on. and I'm at a point where all I want to do is surround myself with radiant women like, mm-hmm. I want to see what happens when we all come together. Like, this is what this retreat was for me, was this teacher that I, that I went and saw Allie Bogard? She's brilliant. And she has such a radiance and she attracts, like I, I said it in the opening, like when, when I come to retreat, I'm coming for Allie, but I'm also coming to hang out with who she gathers. Mm-hmm. And she just has so many radiant women. And just to, to see myself at the age that I am to sit in that room with comfort.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: rather than intimidation yeah that's the that's the joy of growing up that's the joy of getting older right
0: yeah yeah because I think that that is one of the hardest things is when you are in a room it can feel it can feel intimidating if you aren't at that place or you could fall into that belief pattern of I don't belong and kind of othering yourself forgetting that like you're there for a reason yeah yeah yeah. 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 No, it's fun. Yeah. It's so fun. Oh my gosh, Heather, this has been such a fun, enlightening, eye-opening conversation. Um, Is there anything else that we haven't touched upon that you want to share? And also I'm very curious when you did the records on this podcast interview, like what came up? I'm so curious. Well, it was pretty smooth as soon as I opened. So I just opened up
1: records for the two of us and then i just sat there for a moment so it 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 connected and harmonized quite naturally and then i just brought in the frequencies of attunement and i said is there anything that needs to be attuned and all i got was no just sit here and 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 let it calibrate before you even begin so there wasn't anything really that i did just Mm -hmm. because the, the frequency that we came in on together
0: was already almost there That's amazing. Yeah. So someone that's listening, that's like, okay, I want like they're, they're curious. They're like, okay, this, I want to be able to do something like that. You know, whether that's before meeting new people or leading a group of people or a meeting or dinner with a family. Is there something that you can share that that is a practice, something that's tangible for someone to take away? Uh, Yeah,
1: like very simply, just um, before you gather, wherever it is that you're gathering, I think so my step process is I allow myself to to just take a few breaths and get quiet. So I do whatever your process is to just settle. I'll put it that Mm -hmm. way. And then once you're settled with eyes closed, I just bring to mind the people. I, I almost picture them all as sitting around a table, whether you are or not in that moment just bringing the people together and you're sitting at a round table and I just take the time to identify who's gonna be there. And I just put them in a seat at the table. And then I just sit there for a moment um, in circle with everyone. Then I'll just ask uh, the frequency, you don't need to be in the Akashic Rexes to do that. Can I please bring in frequencies connected to harmony and attunement? And those that serve the highest and greatest good in this moment come in. And I just, for me, I'm I'm watching and I'm participating with what those frequencies are doing. So that's a little bit of the skill set that I'll teach in the training. But just follow your own intuitive guide with what you need to do in that moment. And then I think the last thing, if it's necessary, I didn't do it today with our gathering because I like it to be spontaneous and and organic. But if there's a certain something that you are bringing into that meeting that you know is hard for you to do, take a moment and visualize the outcome that you would like to see. Is mm. your father listening to you in that moment? Is he present with you? Mm. Is um you know does your mom have her hand on your back while you're speaking? Mm. Uh, what do you want them to say in that moment? And you're just allowing yourself to set up what serves the highest and greatest good and in that request it doesn't always mean that you get exactly what you want to get it's not a way to manipulate the outcome but more to ensure that whatever the outcome is you're you're able to sit with it and be comfortable with it because you can feel the resonance of okay it's not exactly what i want but it definitely feels like it's meeting everyone's highest and greatest
0: good Yeah, I do believe, I believe in that. It's not, you don't get, you don't get what you want. You get what you need. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. And then that can be it. I mean, and that whole process can take less than 10 minutes.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So you can do it before a board
1: meeting. You can do it before a Christmas dinner, right? Anything that, that, that you're going into that you just want to have, I mean, another way to say this is to pray. I mean, if we Mm -hmm. just want to cut right down to it, but I know that that's Mm -hmm. a loaded languaging for a lot of people, but this is what we used to do back. I mean, we pray before a meal, we'd pray grace. Mm -hmm. I mean, so that we're all coming into attunement together before we open Mm -hmm. up the conversation that's at the table.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so powerful. I'm reading this book uh, called scattered minds by Gabber and it's about the origin of ADHD and what well, he says that it's not an attention deficit disorder, it should actually be called attunement deficit disorder. So he's essentially saying that where it comes from is the lack of attunement in your household when you're a child in like those most formative years. So it's really fascinating to have this conversation and think about like, yeah, you may be a Cause I, I have ADHD and so I'm like on this mission of like really like understanding the root and I'm like, maybe I didn't get the attunement that I needed then, but now where I am currently, like my soul chose this journey because now I'm able to attune wherever I am. And that is like such a gift to be able to do that.
1: Absolutely. And then if you want to just extend this or stretch it just a little bit further, How I relate to this in the Akashic records is that, and this is just something that I've learned by being in people's records, but people that are ADHD, when I go into their records, every single time they're multi-clared, which means Mm -hmm. they are clairvoyant. They have claircognizance. So claircognizance is the inner knowing. Clairvoyant Mm -hmm. is the inner seeing. They're clairsentient. They feel things. They're clear audio. They hear like, it sounds like your thought voice, but it's actually clear, clear audio. Mm. And then when someone's multi claired in the records, their soul needs to operate this way because every Claire is bouncing off of every other Claire to formulate the, the whatever it is that's happening in that moment, whether it's comprehension or growth or expansion or clearing. So In the records, ADHD is revered. Mm. It's like celebrated because Mm. this is how your soul operates. So for you to deny the the ping, 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 pings that are happening all the time and try and put yourself into a one-pointed focus, Mm -hmm. it denies your soul the way that your soul wants to be
0: expressing itself. Wow. That is so fascinating and even as you were saying that I felt this resonance in my body of like almost just feeling seen because I for the longest time I felt that my you know having ADHD having ADD like there was something wrong with me I very much othered myself because in a traditional school setting I was othered and so I formed a lot of beliefs that were really limiting and didn't serve me but as I've gotten older I have said ADHD ADD Like the way my brain works is my superpower, but I don't really think I understood. I don't think I understood it on that like depth, that deep of a level. But then, as you were saying that, it's like, yeah, I do notice that there's like one of my strengths is like I see things before they happen. And I like, I am in human design, I'm a projector. Like, that's one of the things that I do is like I see them, I meet with people, and I can like see like where they're going or they give me an idea and I can either like see it unfolding or it not. And it like, as you said that, I'm just like, oh, that's so fascinating because not just seeing it's feeling, I get these senses and it's just something that I haven't really explored. I kind of know that it's there and it exists, but I've never really actually like kind of sat with that or dove into it.
1: Yeah. So go back to your word superpower when we mm-hmm. when we think of that word and we language that word i mean i know we use it commonly as like oh i'm a leader it's my superpower but like originally that word was used to describe a way that you can work in a, in the non-dimensional in in the mm-hmm. higher dimensional form right you're working you're operating outside of the 3d form mm-hmm. so adhd literally in the akashic records is a superpower you have this and and I if I if I can be so bold, I actually believe that it's so powerful, it's intentionally diminished in the three d form and made mm. to be lessened because the powers that be don't want us to um,
0: know how powerful it actually is. Wow. I mean that is so fascinating to even like have that thought because. I mean, for the majority of my life, I literally thought I was broken and my brain was broken. And I was like, why is it so hard for me to get things? And why is it like, why is everything so much harder for me? And it was just always this like, like such a slog, everything that I did. Um, But it's not like, I mean, I still get challenged by it in ways now, being an entrepreneur and having my own business and then my family and all of the things. But being able to kind of harness those powers in a way that serves me kind of make. I just sound like just a little curious about that.
1: Yeah. So what if, let's, I'm just going to keep playing here. What if it <laughs> was so powerful that the legacy of society has designed itself to not allow ADHD to fit into the box? So yeah. the only way that you can operate is to figure out how to get out of the matrix and operate in a different playing field. And those that do yeah.
0: are, a big threat. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I'm, I feel like I've spent the majority of my life trying to figure out how to get out of the matrix. Like, totally, like, totally. That has been, that has been my soul's mission is to get out of this box. And whenever I feel like I'm put in a box, I like, I can just feel my soul just shriveling. Like I can feel that inside of me just contracting and feeling really tight and closed off. So that now is your ally. Mm. Use that as agency
1: that when you start to feel the collapse, oh, this is my red flag Mm -hmm. that I'm being asked to operate outside of my essence, my superpower, my it factor. And I'm going to take a moment here and just pause and see if there's another option. Because the one that's being presented to me
0: isn't isn't how my body likes to jam. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is so. This is so good. So, for anyone that's listening, I think like, this is the power of being in tune with your body by being able to be present in the the moment and actually sit with yourself. And I don't think that that it's very common in our society unless you kind of follow the path of spirituality that you can really create that space for yourself. But I believe, and this is obviously my own thoughts, but I believe in order to create the life that you want to live, you kind of need to have some sort of element that we're talking about in order to get there or else there's just so many blocks that stop you.
1: Yeah, or you end up, well, possibly, yes. I'll just, yeah, you're just not working with the whole package. Yeah, yeah,
0: Yeah. Like, Yeah. like there's this force that you can't see, but it's undeniable. Whether you're spiritual or not, the synchronicities, like my husband and I are complete yin and yang. I'm very spiritual. He, I think the more spiritual I am, the more curious he is because he sees the synchronicities happen. He sees things that he cannot explain that like happened in our life that he's just like, okay, all right. Like you're definitely onto something. Like he always will say that like it makes him more open just to see these like, things that unfold that seem kind of like a coincidence but they're not yeah um so I do I believe that this work is so important so thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge with us today this was such a beautiful conversation I know you have a monthly membership so tell me a little bit about this membership
1: uh, yeah, so that is um, I call it alchemy membership. So this was um, a way for me to just alchemize the body, mind, spirit. So each month we have a theme. And with they their practical themes, like we've worked with um, raising your vibration without hierarchy, that's the one that we were doing for the month of October. So looking at the contrast and holding space for both. So I'll have um, a live gathering that's recorded that goes into the discourse of the theme. And then I usually bring on a guest teacher to go a little bit further with them. And then I'll go on live a second time in the month to have a meditation on the theme. And then afterwards, I bring on a member from our membership um, to spotlight them and we just go wherever they want to go. So sometimes it's an Akashic reading, sometimes they just have a list of questions they want to ask. But it's kind of like, having the opportunity to see that I am you and you are me by just watching a one-on-one uh, spotlight session together. And then the bodies um, taken care of by, I put up two pre-recorded yoga videos. So one's cathartic, one's very gentle based on the theme of the month. So I'm, I'm using that portal as a way to allow people to access body, mind,
0: spirit with each of the themes that we're playing with each month. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I will make sure that I link that in the show notes. And then do you have a training coming up? I have a training
1: coming up in February for the Akashic records. So that starts February 15th. Registration is now open and uh, I'll put a link. um, I'll send you a link for um, a discount for the Alchemy membership. And then I'll also send you a discount for the Akashic training. So if your listeners want to come in through the podcast, there'll
0: be a special code for them that they can use. Oh, awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. You're welcome. So, as we wrap up, since we were talking about superpowers, um, I would be curious if I was to ask your friends and family what your superpower is, what would they say?
1: Mm, uh,
0: I have a way of lighting other people up.
1: Mm. That's the one I came in with, but the one that I would love to have, I would love to be able to teleport.
0: <laughs> yes. I, me i'd love to be able to be in two places at once <laughs> oh nice nice nice
1: i love it yeah
0: but that's i mean teleporting though you technically could You'd be a like, guy i'm here now and then i'm gonna totally. be over here <laughs> that's awesome yeah that's, that's awesome great. well that's a fantastic superpower being able Thanks. to light people up and i think you know with what you're doing is helping align people to their purpose, their soul's mission, and activate that from the inside out is that light work. And I think that it's, I not think, I know that it is so important because I think now more than ever with the past couple of years that we've had here, um, people are kind of asking themselves these bigger questions of like, why am I here? There ha- yeah. but this can't, This can't be it. And I always tell my clients, because I help a lot of clients kind of tap into something that's more meaningful and purposeful for them. Like that's always the first indicators. When you start asking yourself like those questions or you have that thought, like this can't be it, that's how you know that you're not in alignment with your soul's mission and your soul's purpose. And that's usually the first question that can, can shape your trajectory. So the work you're doing is so important and it was so fun learning from you and talking with you. Is there anything else that we want to, you want to share before we wrap up? No,
1: that feels complete, but I I really enjoyed where you took us today. That was a lot of fun for me too, to have a a conversation that isn't the usual way that people want to interview. So I I, I like that. Thanks so much.
0: Yeah, that was so fun. So fun. We'll have a beautiful rest of your day. Thanks again.